Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Wonderful being with you. It's always a wonderful, a privilege to bring the Word of God to somebody that wants to listen to the Word of God. Don't you dare turn me off because it'll hurt my feelings. You need to hear the Word of God tonight. It's going to be wonderful because just the subject itself is fabulous. You're going to love it. It's called profiting. I love this. From trials. I mean, trials. We all have trials, pressures, temptations, all kinds of situations coming up in our life. It seems like when things start, does anybody know what I'm talking about? When things start to go good, all of a sudden, here comes something to shake us up. And here we are, the church. Only thing that bothers me about the church during this period of time, which is kind of crazy, is that when someone says the church is not essential, that it's nothing more than a social gathering, Anybody, and I don't mean to be rude, I don't mean to be unkind, but I'm going to be rude and a little unkind to somebody because anybody that says the church is nothing but a social group is a moron. And here's the reason why. Because the church is essential. Essential that the Word of God. This world trying to live without God is a foolish group of people. You need God in your life in every area, your business, your children, your finances, your dreams, your vision, everything for the future, hope for the future. When things come against you and the pressures of life, which constantly come against us, I mean constantly come against us. Man, we need to know there's a God in heaven that is raised from the dead. He's no longer in the tomb. He is alive and he knows who we are and cares and loves about us. And that means everything is going to be okay. Don't tell me the church is non-essential. Now, because of that, man, I am grateful that our pastor is going to say, let's open up May 31st. I'm going to be here. You need to be here. Man, if you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. But let's get into church. Let's find out what the Word of God. Let's learn how to worship God all over. Get the Word of God. Get excited. Go out and fight in a good fight of faith. Man, I tell you, a lot of people have told me they need to get back to church. You know why they need to? Because it's a commandment from God. Don't forsake the fellowship. Don't forsake the assembly of the fellowship. And we're not going to forsake that. We're getting back together. We have done everything right. We're going to continue doing everything right. We're going to meet everything that we need to do. We can appease everybody. We can be happy with everybody. We can deal with the cities. We can deal with the counties. We can deal with the state. We can deal with the government. We're not here to do anything, cause any problems, but we are here. Don't try to stop us from preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that is important. So I've been the last few days just meditating scripture. You know, that's how I read the Bible. I'll read a little bit and think about things. And so I thought I'd just share eight verses. Eight verses out of the Bible tonight. And if I was to put a title on it, Profiting from Trials, as I already mentioned to you, Profiting from Trials. Who the heck has trials and profits from them? Well, the church is not, uh, you know, uh, ignorant of trials and pressures and times of uh, uh, situations that are ugly, especially if you're a pastor. It comes at you on a constant basis. 
Paul the Apostle said, man, all these things that come at him are like waves in the ocean. They just keep coming and coming and coming. They never stop buffeting and buffeting and buffeting and buffeting. And you're going to find out something when you finally get older like me, that all these problems do something. And they're there for a reason. They have you, get you strong, get you tough, get you situated with God, get you settled in the middle of a problem and realizing God is in control and you don't have to worry or frustrate or have anxiety whatsoever that God is just simply in control. I've always said if the devil left the church alone, the church would probably fall apart. We get tougher the more you rock on us. We're like an old rug, you know, that's, uh, that's like a, one of those, uh, those throw rugs that the older they are, the more valuable they become. The more you walk on the church, the more valuable the church becomes. We know how to handle these trials, and we know how to profit in the middle of these times of pressure. And that's what this is really going to be all about tonight. I'm going to take you to eight verses. I'll tell you, I've taught this book a, a half a dozen times, and I, these eight verses that I'm going to take you to tonight would usually take me about two or three months to properly express the depth of what's going on in these eight verses. But these eight verses, I'm going to try to do, pray for me, in about 20 minutes, which is like insane. So if I'm talking a little faster, you think faster than I talk, it's okay. So let me take you to the book of James, James, the first chapter. Let's take a look at the Word of God. Get your Bibles, get whatever text you have, get whatever means you have for finding and looking at the Word of God as we express it. We're going to put it up on the overhead, and as we go through this wonderful text. And man, it is so powerful. The entire book of James is written to a group of people that are under pressure. Can you imagine that? Peter's the same thing. First sec, Peter, the church is under great pressure and they're writing. So couldn't find a better scripture for us than to look at what's going on in chapter number one, starting right off with James in the first chapter. Let's take a look at it together because we're talking about profiting from trials. The very first word says the word James, a bond servant of God. Now, I'm going to stop right there just for a moment, and then I'm going to talk about these verses because they're really important for us to see. I don't go too fast because I, you know, I don't read too fast just to read. I read to think. You know, if you're going to read just to say, hey, I read the Bible. Whoa, good. Do you remember any of it? Did you get anything out of it? No, but I read it. Doesn't make much sense, does it? Here's what you need to do. You need to read, not to read the Bible. You need to read to think. And if you go too fast, you can't really think about what you're saying. Here's the very first word in the text of James, and it says James. And I want to stop on the very first word, James. James is the half-brother of Jesus to the Gentile church. And Jesus, uh, as you know, is mighty and powerful. And he is, in this first century, he is the pastor over what we would call Jewish Christians. They were actually more Jewish than they were Christian because they were still keepers of the law and everything. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes, and that's you know, he straightens them out about that. But you'll find that when they were first got saved, they were very Jewish. And so this was a Jewish Christian 
church that believed in Jesus, but they were still very much keepers of the law and still very much in, in that structure. So here's James, and he's writing to them and because the church is being persecuted in many ways. Watch this. Bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, and this verse is so powerful for us because it says these words. Bondservant. The word bondservant is an amazing word. A lot of times we don't think about the word bondservant. We think about slave, and sometimes people will use the word slave, but it's so much more than the word slave. The word slave is a word that over many cultures, when there was slavery going on, over so many years they'd get set free, they'd work to get their freedom, and then they were free. But a bondservant was somebody who was so bound to the things of God that they were a servant of God. No longer do they think for themselves. No longer is their ideas and their philosophies and their wants and their desires even important. What they are now is a bond servant. They're really making a statement as James makes a statement. He's a bond servant to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a bond servant means I, I'm in this with everything. The only thing that's important to me is God. I, I'm going to, I think what he thinks. I'm going to work at doing what he would have me to do. He is my master, and therefore, for the rest of my life, for the rest of my existence on this planet, what my master would have me to do, that's what I'm going to do. There's no release. There's no set me free. There's none of this stuff. I am a bond servant of, the, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, Sometimes people don't realize when he makes that statement, a lot of people say, well, you know, that's James. He's a half-brother of Jesus. Of course he should have that. You know, he's like one of the big shots of, of the church. He's, a, a, if you will, pastor of the first century church of Jews and, and of Christians, and he's different than me. I, I'm just a house painter, or I'm just a plumber, or I'm just a, you know, a physician, or I'm just a, a, a truck driver, or I'm just, you know, I just go in the fields. I just work here and there. The word bondservant is an attitude that everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, that's exactly what you need to be. Every one of us need to live our life because the only thing that's important is what God says. The only thing that's important in my life is not what I think. Sure, there's a lot of times I think of things in my own way, but if I run it through God and it doesn't fit, I don't go there. And so I have to find myself on a constant basis making sure I'm going to do the will of God, the want of God, the desire of God, and certainly the plan of God for my life. That makes me a bondservant. How about you? So these words, when you read them, they become amazingly alive to each and every one of us. And that should be right there, an appointment for every one of us to check ourselves out, to make sure we're not just servants for a period of time on Sunday, and then we serve ourselves on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. We get back to church, and we're a servant of the Lord on Sundays, and we get back to work on Monday and Tuesday, doing our own thing. But here's the deal. God wants you to be a bondservant all the time. Whatever the master says, whatever the master would have you and I to do, that's what we should be doing. That's what we should want because he knows what's best for all of us. It's so powerful. But he's a bondservant to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, to the 12 tribes, which are, notice the word, scattered abroad. 
Can you imagine being so persecuted that you're scattered? Listen, we've been persecuted. They call us non-essential here in, a, in America. They've arrested some pastors for opening their doors and praying for people. Can you imagine that, how ridiculous that is? My goodness, whatever happened to our First Amendment rights in America? But nevertheless, it is kind of stupid. But here you find the church so persecuted that they had to run for their lives and their families. They are scattered abroad. They're everywhere. In this scattering, there was a plan being taken place that we may not recognize. God, you know how the Bible says in Romans that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord or call according to his purpose? Well, that's exactly what's happening in today's economy. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, call according to God's. Listen, so God has got this whole thing under control. But did you know the scattering of the church in Jerusalem in those days sent people everywhere in the world, everywhere. Even when Paul writes to the Romans, they were scattered because of all of the persecution that was coming on the church, and they ended up in Rome. And guys, can I tell you something? He needed to get the gospel out to the known world at that time, so there was a scattering. The pressure comes. God takes the pressure, turns it around for the benefit of the glory of God. Don't tell Tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. If you're wondering, sitting at home saying, what is going on? Why is God doing this? I'm here to tell you that God knows exactly what's going on, has a plan. You're going to look back at these days and know that something great's going to come from it all. Yes, it's going to be pressure for some. Yes, the old apple tree is being shaken. Let's see how many of the fruit fall off and how many stay and grow to even be bigger. But here's the deal, guys. God is in control. They were scattered. The word 12 tribes means that that's where the 12 tribes, they were Jewish Christian believers. And he says, greetings. And so in some of your Bible translations, he says, you know, praise God, celebrate. These are what takes place. There's a celebration taking place. And he's trying to write them. Verse number two comes along, and that's a phenomenal insight. Deborah and I have learned over the years of 40 some odd years of preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't even believe I'm making a statement like that. 40 some odd years, that's like insane. But Deborah and I have learned that this verse too is like one of the most important verses that you're ever gonna find. And this verse comes on and it says these words in verse number two, it says, my brethren, he says, listen to these, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, how can you count it under joy when there's pressures on your life? How in the world does that work? Count it all joy. You see the word count there? If you circle it in your Bible, it means it's, an, uh, uh, if you will, a, um, a, uh, a term that means to add up. It's an accounting term. It means to add up the facts. Here's what we do wrong oftentimes as Christians. We see pressures, trials, and problems, and we add up the negative. How is this going to happen? How is this going to work out? How is this going to function? Oh, man, another problem. Oh, my goodness, this stinks. How come it's happening to me? I'm just so tired of it. I'm so sick and tired of it. I'm disappointed in all this. And we add up the wrong facts. Facts are what God says that all things are possible to him that believes. 
The fact is that nothing is impossible to God. The fact is I could do all things through Christ that strengthens me and that everything that's coming against me right now is going to be turned around. I love what David said when he talked to his brothers and they were putting him down. Here's Goliath on the mountain. That's like us right now today. We have a big Goliath before the church, you know, trying to stop us, trying to scatter us, trying to tell us that we're non-essential. Duh, boy, that's the stupidest statement I've ever heard in my life. And like I said, anybody that makes that kind of a statement probably doesn't even know God at all. Because if you knew God, you wouldn't make a foolish statement like that. But I'm here to tell you something. Listen to this. It's so important for us to see that God, he says to his brothers, he says to the men around, he says, is there not a cause is there not? Yep, there's a cause. And the cause is they're going to glorify God. They're going to bring God out. God's going to be displayed as he takes out the giant. And I'm here to tell you something right now. The church is called to take out the giants in our life. You won't do it by yourself, but you will do it with God on your side. That's what this is all about. But in order for that to happen, I can't add up in my mind all the junk that I feel. I feel bad. I don't like this. I hate this problem. This problem just stinks. It's just, you're adding up the wrong facts. The facts are that God's in control and he's going to take that situation and make it wonderful. He knows how to do everything. Relax, take a deep breath. God is on the throne. He hasn't died and he's not taking Prozac over your life right now. So my goodness, wake up and take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. You say, but you don't understand. Stand. I just got settled. Things just got, I just got this job. I just bought this house. I just made a payment. I just bought my new car for the first time. And now I'm getting laid off or my hours are being cut back. And I don't know if I'm going to make it or how I'm going to make it. I'm here to tell you something. If you put your faith in God, you will make it and you will come out. Oh, I love this. Smelling like the Rose of Sharon. And it's going to be wonderful. Come on, somebody. Don't just sit there in your house and stare at me. You know what I'm saying is truth, and you know what I'm saying is life. How could it be life? Because we are essential. Speak in the word of God that brings life to you. Come on, somebody. It's very important. Count it all. Add up the facts. He says, add it all joy. In other words, I see the joy of it. The joy is not what I have. The joy is not what's happening right now. The joy is what's going to happen. I have hope in God. I have hope that he can do all things. I have hope that he opens doors that no man can open and closes doors no man can close. That's who Jesus is. Guess what? And I'm resting in him. And the proof of my faith is I'm resting in him. He says, when you fall into, and I love this word. I don't know if I I underlined it on, in, on the outside. My brother encountered all joy. When? Didn't say if you fall. He didn't say someday you might fall or some that time. Man, I'm telling you, it's an over and over and over. If you think us building this church was the easiest, a 200,000 square foot building in the middle of San Bernardino, a church hadn't been built here in 40 years, you don't think there was every kind of resistance and you, and you can imagine, besides the fact that we didn't have any money, 
And today, this is one of the most beautiful churches in all of America. And guess what? Because he is God and he is faithful and he makes it all work. And I didn't make it work, but he made it work. And I'm here to tell you something. When you don't know what to do, count it all joy when you fall into those pressures because God's going to do something great. And when you fall into that thing, comes to verse number three, he says, knowing. We ought to know someone. When God says knowing, that's when you sit up. That's when you start paying attention because there's something God wants you to know. That the testing, uh, I love this, testing of your faith, the testing, uh, let's just stop right there. Did you know your faith is going to be tested? And the more it's tested, the stronger it's going to get. Did you know that the more pressure that comes on you, the greater the strength is? Iron sharpens iron. That's what the Bible says, makes it very clear. That the more pressure that's on you, didn't say wood sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. In other words, the harder the pressure that comes against us, the greater our faith is going to be. So man, I'm telling you, you're going to be strong in the ways of the Lord, knowing that the testing of your faith, every great man, every great woman of God in the Bible had their faith tested over and over and over again. What makes us think there's not going to be some problems coming our way to see whether or not we're really going to handle them or we're going to just simply fall apart? And the less you fall apart, the more you handle them, the greater the future is going to be. When David looked at Goliath, I mean, this is one big, ugly dude, you know, like almost 10 feet tall. And, uh, you know, he was a professional murdering machine. And here's David. He's been, what's he been doing? He's out on the hills of Judea singing to sheep as a little kid. His dad didn't even know who he was. He was a nobody that nobody knew. And here's David, and he comes up there and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? Oh my goodness, he had a completely different mindset than everybody else. He knew that God could do something great. He didn't say, I will. He said, God will. He didn't say, I'll do it. He said, God's going to do this thing. And he sees God just winning the battles with Goliath. You need to see God winning the battles that you're facing right now. It's all about that. And the more you, the guy wasn't in worry, wasn't having a nervous breakdown. The rest of the armies of Israel were having a nervous breakdown, but not David. David wasn't having a nervous breakdown. Man, his peace was right there. And his peace brought on great solid faith. And God moves in great faith. And your faith will be tested. Won't be tested in good times. Mm, now you gotta hear it again. It won't be tested in good times. It'll be tested when there's pressure in your life and you hate every second of it. Will you stay in there with God? Will you hang in there with God? Will you be what God wants you to be? Or will you fall to the temptations of falling away in the things of, uh, of the world? Don't, don't tell me that we don't wanna back out and run off and, and fall away. So he says, knowing that the testing of faith produces something. And I love this word. The word is patience. One translation says perseverance. You know, endurance, another translation says. Your endurance and your perseverance really bring us to a place where we're sitting back relaxing in an area we know it's all going to come out okay. 
You can take a deep breath, put your feet up and relax and enjoy life. You say, you don't understand, my checkbook's down. My, my checkbook's been down all my life. Who gives a flip? God's up, my checkbook's down. Did you know I never missed a meal? I have to, and so do you probably right now, because you've been locked in. You probably have to go on a diet because you didn't miss a meal either. And I'm here to tell you something, guys. Listen to me. God wants to do something great. And he wants to get you to that position of absolutely persevering and being persistent to bring you to a place of patience. Patience is waiting <laughs> for the real results because you added up the facts that God's going to do something great and mighty marvelous. But I like verse number four. But let patience have perfect work. In other words, I love the word let there. Did you get the word let? Let means it's your option. Will you let patience have her, or will you try to stimulate it? Will you try to cover the problem? Will you call your uncle or your aunt and look for, can you give me the solution to this? Can I borrow money from that? Well, how can I do this? Let's use this, let's use that. Let me tell you something. Pay, let patience have her perfect work. Didn't say let your conniving and your strategies get you out of the problem. Let patience, just sit back, relax, let God, let your, let your faith be tested. Let God do the perfect work. That, and then he comes along that you, and I love this, may be perfect. I, that word perfect, there's a great word for the word mature and complete lacking nothing. And all of a sudden you come along, man, I tell you, Debbie and I have talked about it a million times. If I was in a trailer in the desert, I'd be just as happy as I would in a nice home with a nice car. I'm not into those things. What I'm into is I'm into God. He is my source of breath of air. He is my life. He is my passion. He's my, he's my future. He's my destiny. The closer I get, to meeting up with him face to face. I'm not worried about that. I'm more excited about that than anything else. But I'm here to tell you something right now. When God becomes your all and your all, that bond-servant relationship with God, my friends, you, and you now have pressure, but guess what? You are a person that is letting pressure uh, have the, it, its antidote, which is sitting back, relaxing. Rest is the proof of your faith. And may I say this to you, listen to this, you will end up strong, mature, complete, lacking nothing in your life because you have everything with God. How cool is that? One more verse, let's do this. If any of you lack wisdom, and I love this, let him ask God, for God gives it freely or liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. God wants to give you the insight and what you need insight to do. You know, there's, I've taught you this for years. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world and that's what we're experiencing right now today. And we need to be righteous enough to go along with it, not afraid of any you know, government restrictions whatsoever. We're not afraid of that. But guess what? We also need to have the wisdom of God, which far surpasses the wisdom of man. And God says, if you'll ask him, he will give you that wisdom. Let me take you to a little deeper depth about the wisdom of God, if I may, just for fun. The other day I was sitting outside looking at this flower. It was a whole bush coming out with flowers this time of year, which they do every year. 
It doesn't matter, but every year they come out with flowers. They start to pop. Maybe you sat there and looked at them, and they're absolutely beautiful. And I'm looking at these flowers, and I'm thinking to myself, man, how gorgeous are these flowers? They were pink and white, and oh, they had a stem on them that was gorgeous. And I'm thinking, every year they pop out at this exact time. Then I drove down the driveway, and there at the bottom of the driveway a couple of weeks ago, there was this big giant tree, and it was bright, you know, the purple ones or pink ones, all full of pink flowers, and just gorgeous every year. And I'm thinking to myself, and did you know they don't just pop out in the spring because they're a certain temperature? I didn't know that. I thought always because it's spring and it's a certain temperature, they'll pop out, and some of them rightly do but they pop out because they have been programmed by God at a certain time to pop out of the flower and the flowers off of the trees. They've been programmed with the wisdom of God. My dog knows how to do some things, not because he has a brain any bigger than the half of my little finger. Guess what? He knows how to do things, not because I taught him to do things. He knows how to do things because he's a dog. Why? Because he's been programmed with the wisdom of God that far in their life to fulfill or do certain things. He knows when and how to go to the bathroom. He knows where to go to the bathroom. And if he makes a mistake, he makes a mistake and he feels bad about that. But I've trained him to go to the bathroom outside and he knows how to do. He's been programmed by God how to do the bathroom thing. He doesn't ask me, can I do the bathroom thing? He just goes out and does the bathroom thing. Why? Because he's programmed to do it. And may I say this to you, that programming is the wisdom of God. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, the oceans go back and forth. Everybody says it's because of the moon. Sure, it's because of the moon. But who programmed the moon to be at a certain access that would draw from this land the waves and filter the water and the oceans? You know what it was? It was the wisdom of God programmed inside of that moon structure for it to do what it needs to do so it sucks the water in off the oceans and takes takes the water out and it brings it in and out and it filters the water. Without that going in and out, this planet would be absolutely corrupt and fail. Uh, if you didn't know that, that's the way it would be. Something causes that moon to be at a certain place. Here's what it is. It's the wisdom of God. All the Bible says, all, and remember the church is insignificant. The church is non-essential. But listen to what the Bible says. The Bible, and you need to know this. The Bible says that God controls it all by the power of his word. If he controls it all by the power of his word, what the heck am I worried about in times of trouble? That's why I need to add up the facts. And he says, you want some wisdom? I'll give you wisdom, but I won't give you wisdom just so you can make a choice once in a while. I'll give you wisdom so that the wisdom stays on the inside of you and then pulls out the best of God for your benefit and for your life. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Getting the wisdom, if you will, of God that that in, in, uh, God just putting inside of us, implanting, if you will, inside of us his truth and his wisdom. That's what this is all about. So we can live the life that God would have us to do. It just doesn't come. It comes from somebody who approaches God and he says, God, I need you to liberally give it to me. And he says, I'll do it without reproach and I'll give it to him. But then he comes along at verse number six and he says this, and I like verse six. He says, but let him ask 
in faith. If you're going to ask God for wisdom or ask God for anything, it better be in faith. Now remember, your faith is going to be tested. He says, with no, and I like the words, doubting. Man, do we doubt? We say, oh, I got faith because that's the right thing to have. I got faith. I got faith. But you can hear the words coming out of our mouth that are completely different than the faith that we're supposed to be having. We're adding up the wrong facts. The words tell the truth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. So therefore, out of the mouth comes forth things that we're adding up that are contrary to what God says. And he says, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the waves of the sea and the ocean who are tossed by the wind. The other day I was looking at, uh, the other day, a couple months ago, I was looking at um, some surfers out at the ocean down here in, uh, off of South uh, Orange County. And I was just sitting there on a bench looking at these surfers catching waves. And I'm going to myself thinking, hey, that's a good wave. Why aren't you getting on your board for that one? Uh, that, and then uh, the wave comes in and it goes right by the guy. Have you ever seen that? And, and the guy didn't catch the wave, but it wasn't a very good wave. It didn't go like it should have. And then I, I watch another wave. I say, oh, here comes a big one. Here comes a big one. Surely they're going to jump on their surfboard and do this one. They let it go by. These surfers have been trained to look at the waves that moves the ocean. They knew when a wave was going to be big enough to ride a good wave. Man, when one came up that was big, four or five guys jumped up on that wave and they rode it in. And here he comes along and he says that someone who doubts is like a wave of the ocean. They just keep coming and coming and coming. They drive and they drive and they drive. They confuse you. They toss you around. They do all that kind of stuff. Why? Because you're double-minded. What's double-minded? What's double mind? Anybody ever thought about what's double mind? I'm a little in, I'm a little out. I'm a little up, I'm a little down. I'm not quite sure God is in this. And that's why church is so essential. So you learn what God is in. So that when things come along, then you want to know if it's God, you refer back to some message that you heard before. And you say, I know God. Listen, David spent time on the hills of Judea with God, singing songs to God. So when Goliath showed up, he didn't cry bellyache. He just added up the facts and took out the giant. And every single one of us are going to have to be prepared because this next part of our life as a church member is going to be a whole lot harder than we ever expected it to be. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to take out the giants of the future. Not just this one. They're going to get harder as we go. Let's go to verse number seven. For let not the man suppose, this is a guy that's double-minded, receive anything from the Lord. So when you're double-minded, Worst thing you could be in, you're not in faith, you're not getting anything. That double mind is in, out, not sure where I'm at. Man, you need to have a relationship with God so you realize that this is thus saith the Lord God. God backs his word. I can trust him. I can believe him. And the future is ahead of me, not because I'm so cool or so smart, but because he is great, mighty, and marvelous, and his word says so, and I can stand. I can go to the bank on his word. Come on, somebody. You know it's true. Last verse for tonight. He says he's a double-minded man, unstable 
in all of his ways. Let's don't be double-minded in these times of trouble. Let's prosper in these times of pressure, realizing that our faith right now is being tested. Your faith is being tested. Are you going to run because you're afraid? Or are you going to stand and believe God they have a great and mighty thing? Is there not a cause? Is not your life worth it? Is not your marriage worth it? Is not your children worth it? Is not the future and the destiny? And someday when you close your eyes on this planet and you open them in heaven, you will know without a shadow of a doubt it is worth it. Come on, you know something? You ought to give the Lord a great big praise. It's so good. Right now home, give the Lord a great big praise. God is so good. Don't turn me off because I'm finished with that message because we went through a lot of things that was great. A bond servant. That's what we need to be. People who, even though there's pressures, and we're not scattered yet, but even though there's pressures, that we count it all joy. I love that word. Count it all joy when various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith it, well, it's going to have its work on us, and it's going to drive us to be perfect in our work, and in many areas, complete, lacking nothing. But that's an exciting thing, that if you lack any wisdom and you're not quite sure, talk to God. He wants to liberally, freely give you that download of His inspirational idea that will help you get through the whole thing. But don't be double-minded, because if you're double-minded, you're not getting anything. And that's why church is important that you're not become double-minded because you're not going to get anything according to Scripture if you're double-minded. Well, I talked fast. I got through two months' worth of teaching in 20 minutes or 30. I love you a whole lot. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.